Hey, let's open our Bibles to Matthew chapter 8. Let's finish chapter 8 today. Matthew chapter 8. <clears throat> Last week we talked about Jesus and the storms of life. Any of you had any storms this week that you'd like to report on? <laughs> See me after. Jesus is with us in the boat, though, and he has a plan and a purpose, and he has a destination. He has a destination for us. And if we're going to follow him, if we are going to follow him, we need to follow him, you know, no matter what, no matter where, no matter how. We're going to follow him, follow him. Don't play, play around, don't mess around, don't play games. If we're going to follow him, let's follow him. One thing I, note, I noted about storms is that we're not always given notice. They just happen. Things change rapidly sometimes. That's why maybe you were sitting here last week and saying, ah, everything's cool with me. And then Monday morning, boom, something happens. Sometimes, though, Jesus calms the storm, but sometimes he calms us. We've got to let him do what he wants to do. He's got all the authority. And there's a battle there's a battle that, that takes place. We're going to talk about battles. We're going to talk about captivity. We're going to talk about uh, the enemy today. But there's a battle between faith and fear that we all kind of struggle with. Sometimes we're fearful. Sometimes we have a lot of faith. And this battle kind of goes back and forth. Sometimes, you know, one's got the upper hand over the other. Obviously, the one we want is the one of faith, the faith and trust in Jesus because he's there with us. Look at uh, verse 27. It says, the men were amazed after Jesus had done this miraculous calming of the storm. He says, the men were amazed and they asked, what kind of man is this? Even the winds and the waves obey him. They weren't sure. He was no ordinary man. He was God the Son. And today we see he sets the captives free, that he has authority over all, over all the powers of darkness. Not only, you know, we've seen him have, you know, authority over physical illness, authority over the nature, authority over all things, but he has authority over the powers of darkness as well. Look at verse 28. It says, when he arrived, where? At the other side, in the region of the Gadarenes, two demon-possessed men coming from the tombs met him. And they were so violent that no one could pass that way. He finally, he arrived where? Where, where did he say that they were going to go? To the other side of the lake, right. And that's, you know, when the storm all came up, like, you know, we're not sure if we're going to make it to the other side. But he says, if he says, let's go to the other side, he's going to get you to the other side. He's got to. And that's what he did here. They got there. We have a destination. And ultimately, our destination is where? It's heaven. And, and he's going to get us there. He's going to get me there. I look forward to that. I really do. But in the meanwhile, we, we simply have to, you know, put our hands to the plow and keep going forward, not looking back like Lot's wife. Interesting, though, when he got to the other side, what did he find? Trouble, more trouble. They had trouble out on the water. They had trouble on the other side. They had trouble now on this side. More pain and more problems. But the thing about this is, is that Jesus went there on purpose. He said, let's go to the other side. He went there on purpose. He wanted to go there. Why? Because he knew those two men were there, and he knew that he could help them, and he knew that he would set them free. He knew what was going to happen. But it's so, so, uh, it's so awesome to me that he cared for those people that were bound. He cared for people that were bound up. 
Now, to be bound up doesn't necessarily mean that you have to have demons living inside of you, though these people did. They were demon-possessed. They were, you know, it was controlling them, their thinking, their speaking, their behavior. But inside, there was still a person there. But many times I find that we get bound up by lots of other things too in this life, don't we? Jesus doesn't only set us free from the stuff inside. He sets us free from the stuff that binds us up from the outside too. I've seen it and I've felt it. I've, I know it personally. I've seen it in other people's lives. He cares for those that were bound. So they went to this place, the, this place of the Gadarenes, and it was kind of a, an area sort of southeast of the, uh, of, on the southeast side of the Sea of Galilee. And these two guys came out and met him there, and they were like living in this area that, were, that was used as tombs, kind of a hillside, where they would you know, carve into the hillside these tombs where they would put bodies. But there would also be a little more space in each one, maybe for the next relative that would be buried there. And so you know, for people like this, they were actually living inside these tombs. They were living there. It was a Gentile area, and these guys, though, you, you say, what is going on? The effects of demon possession, the effects of Satan working in, in, in these people's lives, we see it here, it says in verse 28 that they were violent and that no one could pass that way. There was this violence that came out of their, in, in their lives and there was this isolation. It says in the, in the parallel passage in Luke that they were driven by the demon into solitary places. We're going to talk about Satan today and, and the enemy of our souls and his purposes. But you, you just have to look at these men's lives and you find out what, what was going on. What was the effect of it? The violence and this isolation, this miserable... They were captive and they had this miserable ex existence. It was miserable. Mark adds that they would cry out and cut themselves. Didn't we hear last week about one of the girls who she said she was self-mutilating? And what they do is they cut themselves. They take razor blades and cut themselves. I've seen people, I, I've met people, talked to them, and, and tormented to the point where if you cut yourself, it brings you some kind of strange relief. I've talked with people. I've, you know, we work with people in England that were doing that all the time. Scars all up and down their arms. Is the devil involved in that? Now, don't shut me out here because, you, because you've, been, you've been lied to by the world, by the philosophy of the world, saying there is no such thing as a devil. I talked about that a few weeks ago, didn't I? Don't, don't shut me out and say, you know, that's all like mumbo-jumbo. That's like the stuff on Halloween. You know, it's just like costumes. It's like the, the man in the red suit, the pitchfork and all that stuff. Don't shut me out because the Bible, if, if what the Bible says about Jesus is true, what, he said, what the Bible says about the enemy, Satan, the devil, is also true. And, and there's, a spiritual, there's a spiritual battle, there's a spiritual whole uh, you know, arena that, that you and I cannot see, but is very, very real. Very, very real. And it affects our lives, it affects everything about us. Luke says that these, these people, it says for a long time, they had not worn clothes or lived in a house. I mean, that's how tormented they were. Maybe, again, maybe you, you are a believer and you are a Christian, and, and, and I do not believe that the Bible teaches that a, a person who is born again by the Spirit of God, with the Spirit living inside of you, that you can have a demon living inside of you. But you can be attacked severely. 
And maybe, maybe it is that, you know, you're feeling this kind of torment. And I know I've, I've gone through periods like that. Ups and downs where there's, there's something going on. There's some kind of battle going on. You may not even understand it. Usually what I find in my life is that when I don't understand and it's not something clear, like I can't say, well, this is happening because of such and such, there's some kind, there's some kind of attack maybe, some kind of a battle that's taking place. Warren Wearsby says this about this incident. He says, this dramatic incident is most revealing. It says it shows what Satan does for a man, robs him of his sanity and self-control, fills him with fears, robs him of the joys of home and friends, and if possible, condemns him, condemns him to an eternity of judgment. He says, he goes on, he says, it also reveals what society does for a man in need. It restrains him, isolates him, threatens him. But he says, but society is unable to change him. See then what Jesus Christ can do, can do for a man whose whole life within and without is bondage and battle. What Jesus did for these two, he will do for anyone else who needs him. I, I believe that with all my heart. Jesus, what he did for those Two can do for you and for me. Society can't fix us. The world can't fix us. Now, I'm not saying there aren't good things in the world that help us, that give us understanding and all that. But by and large, in this battle that we face, the world doesn't even believe in it, first of all. So how can they help us in it? As believers, Jesus Christ will help us. He'll walk with us. He'll fight the good fight for us, with us. The enemy of our souls. Again, he's very real. His purposes are not good. People take it so lightly. People, you know, make fun of it or whatever. But it is very, very real. In John 10, 10, it says these words, that the thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. And that's, I believe, the purposes of, of uh, the demonic Satan and the demonic realm are to steal, to kill, and to destroy. But Jesus goes on to say, I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. And that's very picturesque of what happens in this passage. The enemy was stealing and killing and destroying these two guys. Jesus comes along and he gives them life and he gives them a full life. He give, they're able to go back to their families where before, nobody wanted to be around them. Nobody wanted to talk to them. They stayed away from them. So who is this guy, Satan? You know, you, know, you wonder, well, where did he come from? And again, I talked about this a few weeks ago. We, we have these extremes. We believe he, he doesn't exist at all. Or we have this other view that he's like all-powerful and, and equal to Jesus. And on the same plane. Well, that's not true at all. Satan is real, but he is a created being. In fact, he's created by God. He is a created being. He was created as an angel. But he had a fall. And that's why we, we use this term fallen angel. That Satan was a fallen, he is a fallen angel. He has many other names. Lucifer, uh, the morning star is another translation of that word. In Isaiah, you can read about it. Ezekiel 28. But let me read you a few verses from Isaiah 14. He says, how you have fallen from heaven, O morning star, son of the dawn. You've been cast down to the earth, you who once laid low the nations. 
You said in your heart, I will ascend to heaven. I will raise my throne above the stars of God. I will sit enthroned on the mount of assembly on the utmost highs of the heights of the sacred mountain. I will ascend above the tops of the clouds. I will make myself like the most high. What happened to Satan? He lifted himself up. You see, he was completely consumed with pride, and he thought he he was going to make himself equal to God and put himself in that place, you see, but he had no chance. But this is when pride came came in, entered, and, and, and Satan fell. Demons, where did they come from? Demons are also fallen angels. He took a whole group of them that joined Satan in his rebellion against God. Again, this is very, very real. This is biblical stuff here. Very, very real stuff. This spirit world is a very, very real thing. Ephesians chapter 6, we're going to turn to there later on, but let me quote to you from verse 12. He says, Our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. There is a struggle, there is a battle, there is warfare that's taking place. And I would be remiss if I did not warn you about it, if I did not tell you how to deal with it, if I did not at least explain to you that there's stuff going on that you cannot see. There is a battle, there is a struggle, and, and it's not always against, you know, we have our struggles, right, with flesh and blood. We do. But our ultimate struggle is a spiritual one. There's battles taking place. There are forces, authorities, powers, spiritual forces of evils, evil in the heavenly realms. But what do we see here in this passage here in Matthew is that Jesus came to set the captives free. Isaiah 61, you know, Jesus fulfills, and it says that, you know, that the Spirit of the Sovereign Lord is on me because the Lord has anointed me to preach the good news to the poor, to bind up the brokenhearted, and to proclaim freedom for the captives. This is one of the things that he came to do. And, you know, he read the, the, the Scripture, and he said, you know, this day that the Scripture is being fulfilled that he was fulfilling all, the, all, the, all that that was prophesied about him as Messiah, as Jesus the Christ. One of the things he wants to do is to bring freedom for the captives. That's what he does here. So look what it says there. These two, they came from the tombs. They were living there. They come to meet Jesus, and Luke adds that they ran and and they fell. The the one that Luke speaks about fell on his knees in front of Jesus. Look at verse 29. What do you want with us, Son of God? They shouted. Have you come here to torture us before the appointed time? The demons speak, right? They speak through this man. They are able to speak through him. A lot of stuff going on here now. Number one, I want to say this, is that they recognize, they recognize Jesus as what? The Son of God. We saw back in verse 27, the disciples said, what kind of man is this? Well, they weren't sure, but it appears here that the demons were sure. The the demons knew. 
George MacDonald, a commentator, he says, they knew who Jesus was and that he would finally destroy them. In these respects, their theology was more accurate than many modern liberals. The demon's theology was better than some in the church, is what he's saying. That's kind of scary, isn't it? That's very scary to me. Not, though, that we get our theology from demons. I've seen that kind of thing happening, where people, have, you know, they're all into the whole deliverance uh, movement, so to speak, and you know they're you know they're they're praying for people, and I believe we need to pray for people who are are oppressed or possessed to, to be delivered by the Spirit of God. But 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 if the demons are allowed to speak, and then well, this is what the demons said, and so we're we're going to build our whole theology, we're going to build our whole understanding by what a demon would say. That's very scary too, though. You know why? Because in John chapter eight, speaking about the devil, it says that he's the father of what lies says that you know he speaks lies and lies are his native language so how can you build any kind of theology on what a demon would say of course in this particular case we know that it's true because the rest of the scripture you know backs it up but the point here is that the demons they knew who Jesus was they knew who Jesus was and they actually believed him. In the book of James, he says an interesting thing. He says, you believe there's one God good. Even the demons believe that and shudder. The demons, they believe, you see. They believe in all this stuff. But, of course, they're, they're, they're not following after God as a, any kind of a, a follower or disciple. Or they're not, you know, any kind of spiritual true life happening there. Again, one more thing I wanted to add about this thing about demons speaking and being very careful and being very discerning and knowing the Word of God is that in 1 Timothy, it says that the Spirit clearly says that in later times, some will abandon the faith and follow deceiving spirits and things taught by demons. Now, they don't always come along and say, yeah, I'm a demon and I'm going to teach you this, but, but there's all kinds of weird stuff going on in the world. You know, channeling, you've heard of channeling, right? Accepted, you can go down to the mall and, and uh, you know, meet with somebody who form, you know, functions like a medium. You know, someone who's going to read your palms. And this is in the mall. It used to be, you know, that stuff was back in some dark room somewhere. This is like wide out in the open. You know, uh, you know the stuff that, again, I mentioned uh, the entertainment world. They, they, you know, they kind of, I'm not sure what their point is. Uh, you know, if, if they're trying to make it so like... Um, unbelievable because it's it's so um out in the open like it's like it's just an entertainment vehicle this demonic thing there's a a new movie coming out called legion well where do you think they got that from from this passage from one of the parallel accounts well we'll see that in a second there's all this stuff going there's a new program coming on it's about reincarnation like a past life right you know you don't have to look very far and so are they are they just like saying all this stuff and using all this so, so we're going to say, yeah, it's just all, you know, some writer somewhere making all this stuff up. Or, this is even scarier, or do they like, are they like tied in with all this stuff and they're promoting it and they're bringing, I think, I think probably both are true, that they're promoting uh, the enemy, promoting his agenda to steal, to kill, and to destroy. Scary stuff, but this is real. 
Not only, though, did they recognize that Jesus was the Son of God, look what else they recognized. They said, have you come here to torture us, what, before the appointed time? Not only did they know who Jesus was, they knew that a time of judgment was coming, and they recognized him as judge. I have to, I have to apply this to ourselves and, and ask the question, do we know that a time of judgment is coming? They did. The demons knew that. Do you and I know that? Hopefully, because we read our Bibles, hopefully because we study the Word of God, we know that there is coming a day, a day when we will all be judged by the, the, the Spirit of God through Jesus Christ. And so knowing that, what have we done about it? Have we, have we surrendered our lives? Have we, have we fallen down before the cross and, and said, Jesus Christ, be my Savior? If we have, we have nothing to fear. Our salvation is secure by Jesus Christ. They knew, these demons knew there was no way around it. There was an appointed time, but they didn't want to let it happen before then. Let's, you can't, you know, are you going to try to torture us, stop us before the appointed time? Until then, we want to get and do what we want to do. We want to carry on and continue on doing until that appointed time comes. Matthew, later on, uh, uh, I promise you we will get to, God willing, uh, Matthew chapter 25. We're in chapter uh, 9 next week. Jesus says these words. He says, then he will say to those on his left, depart from me, you who are cursed, into the eternal fire prepared for the devil and his angels. See, they knew that. They know, they know that their time is coming. The judgment is coming for them. You read the end of Revelation 2. The lake of fire. Let's move on. Verse 30 says here, Some distance from them, a large herd of pigs was feeding. And the demons begged Jesus, If you drive us out, send us into the herd of pigs. That's kind of interesting, isn't it? The demons now are begging Jesus. Why? Because he has all authority. Because they cannot do anything. They had to ask. They, Jesus has authority over them. He's not on an equal plane. Never has been, never will be. Jesus is the creator. They are created beings. You can read in Job chapters 1 and 2, Satan had to come before God to get permission. God limits, one person said, what evil spirits can do. These demons could do nothing without Jesus' permission. Whose side do you want to be on? Who do you want Whose camp do you want to be in? Who do you want to be living inside of you? He says, if you drive us out, send us into the herd of pigs. Well, pigs, as we know from the scripture, were unclean animals, so that kind of fits, right? Send us into the pigs. And he was willing to do that because it fit. Now, you know, I read a lot of stuff. You know, well, you know, he's, he's wrecking these guys' business and all this stuff. What did Jesus do? Verse 32, he said to them, go. So they came out and they went into the pigs and the whole herd rushed down the steep bank into the lake and died in the water. He said to them, go. And just by a word, one word was enough for Jesus. And he set those captives free. He drove out those demons. It's a, it's a phrase you, you read over and over again that Jesus would drive them out. He would drive out the demons 
or those believers who had the power of Jesus could, would drive out demons. They sometimes, you know, they put up a very fierce struggle, a very fierce fight, but he just drives them out. They went into the pigs. They had to obey. But look what happens to the pigs, the poor pigs. Well, what's the purpose of the enemy? Again, what I said earlier, to steal, to kill, and to destroy. So no matter where they went, they were going to create some kind of havoc or problem. What a picture it is. They were so effective in the pigs. There were enough demons to destroy 2,000 pigs, 2,000 swine. One guy said this, they caused the whole herd to commit mass suicide. That's unbelievable. Mark adds, you know, there was a discussion and they said their name was Legion, for we are many. And the Legion was 6,000. We are Legion, for we are many. Caused the whole herd to commit mass suicide. Say, well, you use that word, suicide, you know, is, is, is every suicide some kind of demonic attack? Well, I don't know. I don't know. I mean, every situation is different, I'm sure. But I do know this, that the enemy, if he could get people to commit suicide, he's happy about it. And he'd be glad to do it if he could do that. Knowing human nature and, and life, when, when these pressures and these torment gets so you know, more so unbearable that we can't do anything? Do you think that he might be involved in some of that? And some of you kind of know what I'm talking about when that pressure is so intense that you, you think there is no way out except to, to end it and, and to end it all. Are there demonic forces taking place? I think in some cases there are. Can I say definitively every single case? No, of course not. Some of it is just, you know, we're, we're, we live in a fallen world. And we're messed up. But I know that Jesus says that he's come to give us life and, and, and not suicide, not death, but life and, and more abundantly. Have there been, you say, well, have there been Christians who committed suicide? Yes, I, I, think, I think sometimes that happens. Does that mean they're going to go to hell? No. But it's not God's plan for them to do that. I can say that pretty clearly. So what happens here? We, we you know, we, we got people who, you know, say, what about the baby pigs and the, the 2,000 swine and, you know, the business and all this stuff? And they lose sight of what really happened was two human beings who were tormented, who had a miserable existence, who couldn't be with their family, couldn't be with anybody, lived in you know, places of death. They were set free. They, they had a brand new life. That's what, the, that's what we're seeing here. That's what the message is here. It's not about the pigs. I just like saying that, the pigs. You know. <laughs> Look at verse 33. Those 
tending the pigs ran off and they went into the town and they reported all this, including what had happened to the demon-possessed men. What had happened? They were changed. They were set free because Jesus came to set the captives free. Mark adds this. It says, when they came to Jesus, they saw the man who had been possessed by the legion of demons sitting there, dressed and in his right mind, and they were afraid. He was sitting there. He, you know, he wasn't all freaking out. He was calm. He was, you know, dressed. He had clothes on, and he was in his right mind. Why? Because Jesus did a work in his life. I don't believe I was ever possessed by demons. I don't, I don't think I was, but, but I know that Jesus has given me a right mind. I know Jesus has healed my mind from lots of of weird and ugly stuff from my past. Jesus is able to do He's still healing my mind. Some of you know that. There's still a ways to go. You go, ooh. But he's, he's, he, he gives us that right mind. He's healing us. And He can do it. He is doing it. They were changed. They were set free. Again, Warren Wiersbe says this, that Christ came to them and even braved a storm to do it. This is the grace of God. He delivered them by the power of his word, and he restored them to sanity, to society, to service. That's what he wants to do for you and for me, for people around us. Look at verse 34. It says, Then the whole town went out to meet Jesus. To believe in him? To follow him? Wow, yeah. No, it says, And when they saw him, they pleaded with him to leave their region. Why? For fear, leave us alone. This is, what, this is what needs to be said to Satan and to the demonic realm. Leave. Leave our region. Leave our homes. Leave our lives. Go in the name of Jesus. Go. You must go in the name of Jesus. This is what we need to be saying to him. But these people were saying it to Jesus. Wow. Loss of income, maybe? Again, this idea that that, that that was more important than life for these people. Money more important than people. Pigs more important than people. One fellow said this, wherever human beings place more value on possessions than people, Jesus will be unwelcome. Let's be sure that we never drive him away by caring more for our pigs than for our fellow human beings. We get caught up in all this stuff and, and, and Jesus is going like, man, what about the people? So what happened? It says Jesus left. Verse, verse 1 of chapter 9, it says he stepped into a boat, crossed over. He left. They pleaded with him to leave and did he say, no, I'm staying no matter what? No, he, he, he left. In other words, he won't stay where he is unwelcome. He won't force himself upon you and upon me. He will not. We have, you know, we, you know, we make the choice. We, we allow him freedom, access into our lives. So Jesus leaves. What about the men? This is very interesting, and we'll close with this and, and some thoughts about spiritual battle. But the men... Uh, Mark and Luke, they add this, that at least one of them begged to go with Jesus. 
You know, they got delivered and says, Jesus, we're gonna, we want to go with you. We want to get in your boat and go with you. But Jesus didn't let him. He could have, you know, you'd think he said, yeah, okay, I'm looking for more followers. Get in. You know, these disciples, these other disciples I have, they don't quite get it, you know, but you do. But, but Jesus didn't let him. He said, but go. He said this to these men who had been isolated, who had been driven out from their families, who couldn't get along with anyone. Their lives were violence and darkness and, and hatred. He said this, go home to your family and tell them how much the Lord has done for you and how he has had mercy on you. So the man went away and he began to tell in the Decapolis how much Jesus had done for him. And all the people were amazed. He went all over the town, Luke says. Jesus didn't say, you know, come with me on the missions trip. No, he said, go home to your family. What about your family? You have been, you have been, you know, tormented. You have been off in this world. But look what, look what I've done for you. Now go home and tell them too. I believe he wants you and I to, 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 to open up at times and share with our families. Like Jesus has done a work for me. I just want you to know that. Jesus is doing something in my life. I want you to know that. There is a spiritual battle taking place. There was a man and he had an 11-year-old son. And the, uh, his son... Uh, his son's friend called up on the phone and said that he had a problem with spiritual warfare. So the dad said, you know, what can I do to help? And he said, listen, I just want to speak with your son. So the dad's kind of proud, you know, that his son was being asked for this spiritual advice. And, and so he asked his son later on how it went. And, and his son said, oh, fine. He just needed help getting to the next level of the spiritual warfare Nintendo game." You know, that's kind of, you know, a little bit of like the world looks at it. It's just some kind of Nintendo game. Or now it's we or you or they or whatever, you know. All this weird stuff. But turn with me. There's a few passages I want to close with. First, Ephesians chapter 6. Ephesians chapter 6. Verses 10 says in, in uh, verse 10, Ephesians, Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, right in between Galatians and Philippians. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 10, it says, Finally, be strong in the Lord and in His mighty power. Put on the whole armor or the full armor of God so that you can what? Take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood and but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Therefore, put on the full armor of God. He says it again. So that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to, take your, to stand your ground. And after you have done everything to stand. How are we going to stand? We stand because we have the full armor of God. Then he he talks about what it is. Verse 14, stand firm then with the belt of truth buckled around your waist. The first thing he says is truth. With the breastplate of righteousness in place, being right with God and right with others. Verse 15, and with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace, the good news, 
Verse 16, in, in addition to all this, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. The shield of faith. Verse 17, take the helmet of salvation. And finally, the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. Unless we take the armor, the full armor of God, we have not got a chance. If you go out onto a battlefield without being equipped, without having the, equip, the equipment that you need, you have not got a chance. You have not got a chance against the, the demonic realm, the spiritual battle, battles that take place because of, because of the way they operate, because, of, you know, the first thing he says, the belt of truth. Why? Because the enemy is, the, the, you know, all about lies and, and untruths. And they have been around a very, very long time. I cannot tell you how many years, but it's way more than you and me. Way more than all of us combined. They've been around a very long time. So for you and I to think that we can stand our ground, well, Jesus, you just stay over here. I'm going to take care of this one myself. No. We need to know I can't do it without the full armor of God on. I'm going to fight the fight. There's, there's fights going on, and I need to, to have the full armor of God to fight, to take a stand against these battles that take place. We can stand, but not in our own strength. We need to stand, but in the name of Jesus. I want you to turn ahead now to that little book of Jude, just before Revelation. That tiny little book there. There's an interesting verse in there. <clears throat> the book just before Revelation. And look at verse 8. Speaking about different people who are, you know, rebelling against God or whatever. And, and, uh, but, but he says in verse 8, in the, in the very same way these dreamers pollute their own bodies, they reject authority and slander celestial beings. So... We're, we're talking here about, you know, how you dealing with this kind of thing. But look in verse 9, he says, But even the archangel Michael, when he was disputing with the devil about the body of Moses, did not dare to bring a slanderous accusation against him, but said, what? The Lord rebuke you. He didn't get into this big discussion with the enemy. He didn't, you know, uh, do anything or try to do anything in his own strength. But he says, the Lord rebuke you. And there are times when battles that you and I fight, we need, to just, we need to just stop and say, the Lord rebuke you. And I stand against uh, these, uh, these attacking forces in the name of Jesus, in the power of the blood of Jesus Christ, the Lord rebuke you and stand against these things. Try it. Try it. You'll find that the, the name of Jesus is powerful. But... You need to know Jesus. You don't do it because the name of Jesus is powerful. You don't do it because it's a formula. You do it because you know Jesus Christ is your Lord and Savior, and you stand, and, 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 and he's living in you. But one final passage I want to close with in Luke chapter 10. Let's turn back to Luke chapter 10. Luke. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Luke chapter 10, verse 17. 
See, the 72, not just the apostles, but a whole group of people were sent out. And look what it says in verse 17. The 72 returned when they, after they had been sent out. And they said, Lord, even the demons submit to us. In their name? No, in your name. And Jesus replied, he said, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. Jesus could see into the spiritual realm. He could see, you know, what was going on. He says, I've given you authority to trample on snakes and scorpions and to overcome all the power of the enemy. Nothing will harm you. He's given authority in the name of Jesus to stand and fight. Not in our own name, not in our own strength. But look how he ends that passage there in verse 20. He says, however, however, do not rejoice that the spirits submit to you, but rejoice that your names are written in heaven. I, I, I've seen way too much stuff where people, you know, they're talking about the devil all the time. And, and you know, it, it's, the same, it's this kind of thing, rejoicing that, you know, there, there's power in the name of Jesus. But he says, that, that's not where your focus needs to be. Your focus needs to be on me. And then your names are written in heaven. And you have a destination, and, and heaven is your home. Yeah, there's battle, but, you know, some people, you know, they talk derisively about Satan and make, you know, these jokes and say all these things. And take it, they're taking it almost so lightly, but, but that's not what he's saying. He says, yeah, we fight the battles, but, but we keep our eyes on the Savior, on Jesus. We stand not in our own strength, but in his name. I don't know what kind of battles you face. I know my own battles, and I know that there is warfare that takes place, battles that take place. And, and, and so many times, the only, the only way to go forward is in the name of Jesus and fighting the good fight of faith. We call this uh, drug and alcohol group the good fight because it's a good fight. But we don't... We don't begin to say, Satan, look, you know, we're more powerful over you and all this silly stuff. No. Jesus. Jesus. Jesus is about him. Let's pray together, shall we? Our gracious Heavenly Father, I, <clears throat> I thank you that your word reveals the truth to us and, and help our minds to be renewed with the truth of your word and not by the lies that the world has put forth the lies that uh, entertainment world has put forth. There's so much untruth, Lord. Even the lies of our society of things like evolution and, and uh, all kinds of other uh, truths that go against the real truth. May we have that belt of truth, the breastplate of righteousness, the helmet of salvation, and all the other shield of faith, the sword of the Spirit, your word, Lord, to fight the good fight. I pray here this morning for, for people who are facing battles right now that you would, you would encourage them in their hearts to know that you have overcome and that in the name of Jesus they can go forward and fight. And the demonic realm has no authority over the name of Jesus. Father, I pray for victory. I pray for some that maybe need prayer that we will, could pray for them today, Lord. I pray too, Lord, for any that, that don't know you and this is all like doesn't even make any sense. I pray that, that they would come to know that Jesus is the good shepherd, the savior of the world, the one who came and gave his life so that we might have eternal life and life to the full.
And I always want to give you an opportunity right now as we pray, if that's you, to open your heart and life to Jesus and say, Jesus, I want life. I'm sick of death. I'm sick of ugliness and darkness. So please come in and I surrender. And I I don't want to chase you away like those did. I want to receive you as Savior today here in January of 2010. Let you simply pray and say, Lord Jesus, I surrender all to you. In Jesus' name. Amen. Let's stand and sing together, shall we?